I recorded this interview right in the middle of the 2020 COVID-19 pandemic, dangerous and devastating to health, the economy, and the music business. Add to that massive civil unrest, peaceful protests laced with stupid violence from sick opportunists, and an election with more issues at stake than ever in my lifetime. I hope future listeners to this episode will find these times successfully settled with positive changes so badly needed for a far better world. But I can't think of a better time than right now to be interviewing Katie Zaccardi, who specializes in helping creative people deal with anxiety. Hello, this is Judy Rodman. You're listening to All Things Vocal Podcast. This is the audio version of the blog you can find at judyrodman.com. So let me tell you a little bit about my guest today. Katie Zuccardi is a songwriter, artist, music industry professional, and certified yoga instructor. Along with her own experience with a generalized anxiety disorder, Katie discovered the urgent need for conversation about mental health and self-care within the music industry. So she founded Out to Be, which advocates a balanced trifecta of personal and professional success grounded in wellness. I know that's a mouthful, but what a concept, huh? Her Out to Be podcast is about wellness relating to working in music. Through her Out to Be coaching platform, Katie supports artists and professionals by helping them cultivate positive actions and attitudes. Now, on to the interview. Katie Zaccardi, welcome to All Things Vocal. Thank you so much for having me, Judy. So have you dealt with, uh, you know, this week's anxiety? Have you had to deal with it and had to coach people through it already? Oh my, I think everyone's feeling it. I mean, I'm feeling it myself and I, I mean, I'm white. So especially given what's happening right now, this is challenging, uncomfortable. It's a time for me to listen and learn more than anything. Yeah. But as someone who is a coach and who has a platform and I'm sure you can resonate with this, it is challenging for me to figure out what the right thing to say is and make sure that I can be there for my clients and for my community in the right way. So I'm definitely feeling it. I'm having to work through some things myself, really check myself, make sure that I am doing the work, um, and of course, support my community however I can. I'm not the expert on this topic or how we can yeah. solve these problems or, you know, I'm just learning how to be a good ally for our black community and our black sisters and brothers. So that's, right. that's where I'm at right now. You know what? Voices need to have ears too, don't they? I think that is so incredibly wise. It's in, it's in listening that we can help the best. So already I'm so interested in what you have to say. <laughs> well, Right up front, I have to say that I love your idea of balancing personal and professional success grounded in wellness. The stories of famous creatives that you'd think would be really successful, who are personally miserable, depressed, afraid to fail, disconnected, and often secretly or publicly addicted to something, are everywhere. And this has been actually true since the very first star was born. I've heard music industry mentors and even college professors, you know, in the music departments, recommend that a budding artist must 
totally commit 100% to their career, just sacrificing relationships and health or whatever else is needed. Right. I want you to talk about why this is baloney and how somebody can have professional success without being a personal failure. Oh my gosh, so much to talk about here, truly. But <laughs> it's a big question, and especially you bring up schools and teachers. And I think that this this idea that we have to hustle and constantly work and constantly practice and dedicate our entire lives to music is especially prevalent for people who have gone to schools and studied music. Um, because those who are more self-taught I don't know that that idea is as intense for them. It's it's there, but it's not as intense. But especially those who have studied in schools, there's this idea that nothing else can exist besides your life in music. And I just truly believe that at the end of the day, when we are working so hard, we are dedicating so many hours to this and we are not having fun. We are not having time to live our lives. We are not connecting with other people. We are not taking time for ourselves to just rest. It is hurting us and it is hurting our music career. There is a way to work smarter, not harder, so that you can still have that success, but not have to spend a million hours doing it and not actually being clear on what you're even doing. And that's a lot, one of the problems that people run into. And the other is, again, just believing that you're not allowed to have a life when the reality is creativity and inspiration comes through um, arguably the most when you are experiencing other things that are not related to music, when oh, yeah. you are living your life and when you are getting in touch with your truest self. So it's even more important so that our art can be better, so that we can grow as an artist, as a vocalist, whatever it might be, that we are experiencing other things and that we are taking care of ourselves. It's really a 360 approach, um, the totality of you, you will be better as a person and as a performer and as an artist, if you live your life in a more balanced way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's funny. I came to that conclusion a long time ago and I don't think it's just, it's just college because there are a lot of, uh, managers that will tell people this too, because you know, the more shows they do, the more money in the manager's pocket. I mean, I'm not, we're talking about bad managers here. Kudos to the good ones. The good ones think about careers with more longevity yes, exactly. instead of just the flash in the pan. And where uh, when you're done, uh, your 15 minutes of fame are over, you, all of a sudden people aren't worshiping you anymore. And you think like, what, what, what'd I do? Chop liver, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, even getting to the top of the mountain, if you don't have some personal success along the way, if getting to the top of the mountain is the point, it's not worth getting to the top of the mountain, right? Right, yeah. And there's a problem with young stars, of course, not uh, maturing enough to uh, be able to navigate the perils of being famous. So you, you don't just preach it, you know it, you've lived through it. Uh, you have had your own anxiety disorder. And I believe in the idea that you should never trust a a person without a limp. <laughs> you know, it's like when, you know, when we've learned what to do, when we've got a limp, that we can actually help somebody else. So I, uh, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about your personal story. Yeah, absolutely. So my story really started in college when I was in school studying music business. So I think that it was a combination of a lot of things, 
you know, genetically anxiety runs in my family, but between being a student, studying the music industry, working in the music industry as an intern, starting to perform around New York City as an independent artist and release music and have having other jobs outside of school as well, there was a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, with the change of college in general, it's a lot of it's a lot of change. It's a lot of pressure. There's a lot um, that any college student is experiencing. And so for me, I think it was just years built up and inflammation from what I was eating, from where I was, years of allergies, migraines, basically you just put all of these things into one big pot. And then what happened was by the time I was in college, a couple years in, I was experiencing panic attacks and general anxiety. And I got diagnosed, honestly, a couple years of this happening, I finally got diagnosed my junior year of college. And at that point, I was able to see, okay, I can identify that this is anxiety. I can figure out what my triggers are and I can go from there. And so once I was diagnosed, I I would say typical, it gets worse before it gets better. Mm-hmm. Like I got diagnosed not at the peak, but the peak was still coming. And anybody who has anxiety knows that it is an ongoing journey. It's an ongoing battle. It's not something that you just like have one day and then you take a pill and it's gone forever. So I took two years, maybe even a little bit longer than that, to really go through that peak of it to figure out what worked with my body, what didn't. Alcohol, no. Coffee, it's a no. How do I cut out toxic people? You know, how do I make sure that I'm (laughs) calming myself down on a day-to-day basis? Things like that. And I've worked with functional medicine as well to really reduce inflammation within my body and make sure I wasn't putting foods that were triggering things like that. Again, like coffee or alcohol or other things that you might not even suspect. So it's been a very holistic process for me, but um, I experienced it in every way you can imagine, except maybe the on the nose ways. Like for me, I was never necessarily afraid to get on stage and perform in front of people. Like I didn't have performance anxiety, but I had other anxieties that would impact it. And it got to the point where dealing with bandmates would trigger anxiety if there's any sort of confrontation or disagreement and things like that. So it affected every area of my life. And it's been quite a journey. And I pretty much learned by myself how to get to where I am now. And now I'm like, okay, let me share with others who didn't have the resources, who don't know where to look, who are looking for support, that it can get better. And it it certainly does. You know, I feel like uh, a good definition of God sometimes is the great compost maker. (laughs) And it's like you take the things that happen to you, you know, And if you process it like compost, then all that stuff can turn into fertilizer, not only for your life, but Katie, like you're doing, helping other people. So you just mentioned a few of these things, but anxiety disorder, social anxiety, eating disorders in general, substance addiction, depression, all of these things are just different sides of the same coin of anxiety. Are they not? And uh, of course, I've worked with the people with these conditions. And I've been amazed at how they can sabotage the voice. Mm. So what I want to find out from you is what did you notice that your anxiety did to your vocal technique and your connection to a song? Yeah, 100%. I am not a psychologist and I'm not a doctor. So I can't sit here and make claim like, yes, all of those things are the same or different. But I definitely do agree having experienced a few of those things and having seen people with those things and, and talked to them that 
for sure they are related. And what's really what I've experienced is that it can definitely affect your nervous system. Well, it does affect your nervous system, which then affects your ability to sing, your ability to perform. Like I mentioned, I don't actually necessarily have anxiety about um, talking to people or getting up on stage and performing. But if I'm having anxiety about something else while I'm performing, which is totally a valid thing and something that happens, um, or if you might be experiencing depression or an eating disorder, your body is not, whatever it is, your body is not in its prime state, so to say. And most likely you're being affected by your nervous system being more tense, whether you might be tensed up and really um, almost like rigid and stiff, or maybe even so loose that you feel very shaky with it and feel almost like you could pass out or like you just don't have grounding with it. The, um, I've experienced both of those things, which is just very interesting how it can be from one extreme to the other, where on some instances you think I'm on stage and I'm standing up and I feel like I'm just going to collapse. Or you think I just feel so tight right now that I can't even get breath in or out because I'm just so, so tight. And so whatever it might be, you're going to feel this. And when you're on stage, you're, you need to acknowledge that that's not going to be serving your body or it's going to make an impact because your physical body makes an impact on how you sing. And I also think with those things, especially anxiety, you might not be getting the breath in or the breath out that really does serve you when you, when you sing. So that's why I do focus a lot on breathing exercises and yoga is great with that as well to help clients, whether they're doing it regularly, just in general to improve their singing, improve their breath support, improve their, their general nervous system calming down, or in acute moments of stress, breathing is such a powerful exercise, because it's going to help you not only to get that breath in, but also to help regulate the entire body, the entire nervous system. I agree. I agree. I interviewed someone not long ago, a functional health practitioner, and she was talking about the vagus nerve and how, uh, that can affect all kinds of things. Yes. Um, and also, not only physically does it affect your voice, but boy, does it distract from your focus on who you're talking to, right? In the song. Like I, part of my whole method of, of training has to do with the communication impact, which mm -hmm. if, if you're really communicating, you're not rehearsing. You're actually performing. That was my last podcast episode, by the way. Um, there's a difference between rehearsing and performing. Yes. And for performing, you have to know who you're talking to, what response you want, you know, what the message is and what response you want to that message. But if you are involved in hoping that your, your legs are not going to fold underneath you <laughs> or that you are not going to turn into concrete on stage, yeah, there's no way that you're going to be focused on the heart you're talking to. I mean, you'd Talk about multi-tracking. Yeah, I totally uh, agree. I actually think one of the things that can help ground you down when you are feeling anxious in a performance is talking to the yes. audience because yes, it really you. helps you focus in and get centered into what you're doing. And so even if, whether it's between songs or even if you, and remember like you run the show, well, most of the time, but you run the show. So if you need to, if you need to take a break in between songs or even start talking during the song or hand the mic to the audience during the song, whatever you need to do, engaging with the audience is a powerful move to help you kind of calm down, get centered, get grounded, and know that you're not alone in this and you have other people around you who are going to support you. Mm -hmm. Creatives 
I think it's exacerbated by the fact that they have so many feelers out there and that's what makes them good at creating because they're more attentive to detail. They have more colors in their crayon box, you know, and more uh, more sensors, really, like little antennas everywhere. In fact, they usually make stuff up. When they walk into a room, they're reading the room while they're also kind of making things up, like, she thinks I suck, you know, stuff <laughs> like that. And so we need something that focuses all those feelers in one direction. And I think you're absolutely right. If we focus on the heart we're talking to, that can help focus all those feelers up into one direction to get this thing done. And then we can fall apart after we get off stage. <laughs> <laughs> or hopefully not, but yeah. <laughs> or hopefully not, yeah. Okay, let's go just a little bit deeper into this. I used to know an incredible songwriter and he got into cocaine and he wrote some amazing songs under the influence. And he became terrified of not taking the drug, thinking that he wouldn't be able to create without its influence. Talk a little bit about how all these dysfunctions lie to us. The mind is a very, very powerful thing. And so whether it's believing that you can't be creative with or without something or that you, you know, have to have inspiration strike at a specific time or you're not good enough for this, whatever you, whatever story you're telling yourself, you will find proof for that to be true. So I think that working with your mind and number one, the first step is acknowledging the thoughts you're having in the story that you are telling yourself. And then number two, what can you do to change that? (laughs) So while you might there's like tangible things and there's intangible things. There's the tangible things of like, if you're having insecurities about your voice and you can't sing well enough, or you're having insecurities about your songwriting skills in general, or I can't do it without this or something, what can you do? Can you get a coach? Can you get lessons? Can you do something that will actually help you improve your skill and improve your confidence in that? But number two, how can you rewrite that story that you're telling yourself and turn that into a positive affirmation or something that you read every day or a vision board, or maybe just a picture that you have in your mind that you go back to of something that you believe or want to believe to be true. And the tricky thing with that is that you're basically going to start telling yourself what feels like a lie at first or what not might not seem true. Act act as if. Yes. So you can be. Exactly. Exactly. So you might say a positive affirmation of, I am a powerful singer who has audiences of 3000 people and blah, 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 whatever it might be. And it might be like, ah, this feels wrong. It's not true yet. But the way your brain works, the more you keep saying that, the more you really tap into believing that and feeling that in your whole body and what it's going to feel like when that is true, the more your brain's going to just believe it. Because whatever you're thinking, your brain will believe it to be true. So again, your mind is very, very powerful. And I really think that using your mindset, using limiting beliefs and positive affirmations and working through those things is a very powerful tool for creating the reality that you want and working through some of those things that might be holding you back um, and the fears that might be holding you back from stepping into the artist that you really do want to be. Yes. I came up with a, a priority tree for me, finally, because creatives, we all want to take our little creation and go, look what I did. Wasn't that pretty? (laughs) It's just like we stay, that little child stays there in us. But we have to kind of grow a little bit beyond that. I came up with this priority tree when I was was working with a business coach. Hmm. 
And I think this could help too. If you see, see what you think, first priority will be to connect with the source of all things. Because if I don't have that connection uh, with that, which I call God, then I don't get the wisdom. I don't get the direction. I don't, I feel like, you know, nothing's worth it. Yeah. After that, my second priority is family and friends. Because if I don't have somebody that I love and loves me back, somebody I can share stuff with, then it's not worth it. The third step for me is physical health. Because without my physical health, I can't, again, it's the rest is not quite worth it. Yeah. Know? Especially as a singer, it's like, the, what are you going to do without your physical health? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Right. And uh, the fourth one is financial health, because if I'm dead broke, I'm going to be desperate and make all kinds of bad decisions and, and everything else. You know, we have to, to be able to take care of ourselves. Unfortunately, these days, there's not many patrons of the arts, yeah. you know, and we will uh, not be able to listen to our own drummer <laughs> and we will do things that we won't be happy with and we'll mess with our hearts. And then the fifth thing on my um, priority list is creativity. And if I've got everything in that lineup, then I'm going to create things that become where my passion meets the world's needs. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I totally agree with that. And I love that pyramid. I love the way that you have kind of structured it. I feel like it's very balanced and no matter the particular order that people might want to have theirs in, Everything that you hit on, I think is so important. And what I would personally add in there is doing that personal development work through mindset and through wellness as well, right? Yes, And so, and and that kind of taps into connection, spirituality or faith or whatever works for you, as well as physical health in a lot of ways. Um, It kind of falls into those categories as well, but it's so important to honor all of those other things so that you can really step into alignment and money. Like you said, that's something a lot of people will probably be like money. That should be at the bottom of the list. That's not important, but money can stop you from living your dream. Money can stop you from creating the art that you really want to create. Money can stop you from doing a whole lot of things or allow you to do a whole lot of things. And so to anyone who says it's not important, I say, you are wrong. (laughs) I'm just, that is my opinion on it. It is such a powerful resource to have on our side. And there's no shame in wanting to expand your financial reality and, and welcome more abundance into your life. So I think, yeah, I think that's a great suggestion and way for people to start to integrate all of these things into their life and realize that with more balance, with more of the things that create positivity and create connection, you will be even more aligned in your creativity and in the art that you put out. Yeah. Yeah. And once you take care of yourself, uh, you can take care of somebody else. Totally. Uh, but you got to take care of yourself first. My, a, a friend of mine that I was working with at one point, she, she made this uh, observation that I thought was really very important. And that is don't give out of your principle, give out of your interest. Mm. Because if you give out of your principle, you're going to disappear. You're going to become a people pleaser or you're going to become in need of substance abuse or, you know, no sleep. You're going to sacrifice your health and everything else. If we take care of ourselves, that's not selfishness. That's self-care. Yeah, 100%. And that, yeah, and that goes out to everyone that we care about because we're able to at that point. Yes, I totally agree. So 
I used to think yoga was boring until I started it, until <laughs> I tried it, because I'm like a, like a bumblebee mentality as far as exercise goes, <laughs> and it's so slow, but that's, I, I felt the same thing about golf, and then my husband finally, you know, gave me some putting practice, and it's like, okay, it's not boring anymore. <laughs> that's me. I still think golf is boring, but that's just me. <laughs> Maybe it's because I don't like walking around with the heavy bag in the hot sun. That, oh, yeah, well, that is what I'm not about. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't gotten that far. He won't let me off the putting thing. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about how yoga has helped you. Yeah, well, I, especially on that same thread of really working on yourself and taking care of yourself, yoga has been such an important tool for me. And it's a combination of the physical practice, the breath work that you often do in yoga, and the meditative aspect of it as well. Usually at the beginning or the end of a practice, you're having some time simply to quiet the mind. So for me, yoga hits on those three things, which is really important in, for me, my personal development, my physical health, and um even as a, I have asthma and as a singer, doing that lung work, like doing that work with my breath is very, very vital. So it, it can be challenging. You know, I had instances in my life where I was doing, even especially when I was doing my yoga teacher training, pretty hard, intense yoga, you know, hour, hour and a half classes, um, vinyasa classes, which is a little bit more intense, more movement. And some of it, you know, it's great. It builds on your strength. It, it gets you moving for sure. But I've also learned that I really need to be in touch with my body because sometimes that is a little too much and that's not serving yes. me. It's actually right. kind of like riling me up too much and, and getting my body too shaky, too pushing my body too far. And that does not serve me. Well, we can get addicted to exercise, can't we? Well, that's definitely true as well. And interestingly enough, um, I, as a woman, have gotten more in tune with my cycle and I've been using an app called MyFlow because it's really interesting to see the differences between men and women. Men operate more on a daily cycle where they can work out at a certain time of day and maximize certain things like strength training or cardio or things like that based on the time of day. Huh. Whereas, as we know, women are on a monthly cycle. And so you can also work out in different ways based on that. And so, and some in, this is kind of totally a tangent, <laughs> um, but I, trail for good. I share it because it's, it's something that I had sort of like figured out where I was like, it's so weird. Sometimes I go to yoga in the evening, I go to a harder class and I feel so strong. I feel so good. And then other days I'll go and I'll be halfway through and feel like I just need to lie down for the rest of the time. And I don't know why. Um, or other times I'll think that yin yoga, which is quite slow, is very boring. And sometimes I'll be like, this is exactly what I needed. So I have been like, the app is called My Flow. That's what I've been using to actually recognize, okay, wait, this shows you depending on if you're a woman, of course, not if you're a man, but if you're a woman, um, what phase you're in in your cycle and how you can use that towards your exercise, what exercise you should be doing, what's effective. And I, I really do believe that honoring your body in that way and in, in any other way you are called to is so important because if you're pushing yourself too hard or you're not relaxing enough or whatever it might be it's going to impact you. It's going to impact your anxiety. It's going to impact your, your stress levels, your, your ability to build that muscle or lose that weight or whatever it might be. So that's something that I've learned. There's different kinds of yoga and different things that work for everyone, but you've got to just listen to your body and find what works for you. Mm -hmm. Moderation in all things, including moderation. Oh, yes. <laughs> 
Okay, girl, let's talk about you for a second here. You've started your own counseling business and a podcast of your own. So are you still singing and writing and performing? As we record this right now, technically not. But I have, so I have my coaching business, which is the main priority right now, as well as the podcast, which is intertwined in that. I have been gravitating more towards performance, but not of my own music. And it was actually a very weird thing for me to kind of come to terms with the fact of like, I'm not feeling the songwriting bug right now. I'm not feeling the urge to do that right now. I don't want to perform the original music I've been performing for like six years straight anymore until I kind (laughs) of do write something new, but I'm not in the mood to write something new. Mm -hmm. It was hard for me to come to terms with that. But I've also been in this new phase, which of course I came into this new phase, like as soon as the coronavirus pandemic hit. So I kind of have had to navigate it as there's no gigs and nothing happening in person. Um, But all that to say, I grew up with musical theater. I've always loved musical theater. I put that aside pretty much when I entered college and I've been gravitating a little bit more towards doing that kind of performance, whether it ends up being uh, me doing a show when things are up again, or I've been toying with the idea of doing some sort of cabaret show that's yeah. singing more covers or more, yeah. more musical theater things. So right now, especially given what we're going through, it's more on the down low. Um, but I'm sort of going through a transition where I'm just allowing music to be super fun. And before I had operated really from a place of like, you've got to release a single, you've got to do the show every month, you've got to do this, you got to do this, hustle, hustle, hustle. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to come back to music, my own original music, when it feels good for me. But right now I'm going with the flow and I'm just listening to what I feel like doing and what's fun to me. And that's kind of where I'm at. (laughs) Have you ever heard of an artist named Eva Cassidy? No, I'm not familiar. Okay. Well, she's long passed away. You'll have to check out uh, her career. Just just dig dig into that name, Eva Cassidy, and the rest of you guys out there that are listening as well, because that's exactly what she did. She decided, uh, she she was in New York, I think, or in that area, and she was an incredible singer. Mm. Uh, But she didn't like doing anything other than cover songs that she liked. And, you know, there was a record label interested in her if she would just kind of focus into a genre and get some original stuff going and she just wouldn't do it so she traded some studio time from what I understand for dog sitting the engineer's puppy dog <laughs> and the Pretty engineer good trade if you ask me, uh, exactly. <laughs> let's not say the engineer was into her music <laughs> into her voice yeah yeah but long story short, she got cancer, and uh, but before she passed away, she did all these demos in that studio. I can't tell you how many movies her songs ended up in mm. about, I think it was five or 10 years after she died. The engineer just decided these demos are too good, and they were mostly like guitar voice, and uh, and it's just incredible. But she was true to herself. Yeah. She was true to herself. That's exactly what I'm hearing from you. Yeah, and I love my original music. I love doing my thing, but I'm not going to force myself to do anything that doesn't feel aligned with me right now. So I'm just kind of listening to that. And honestly, running a coaching business is very creative for me, and it yeah. kind of fulfills yeah. a lot of the things that I'm wanting to do right now. So... Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And creativity can jump around to different things from painting or sculpting or uh, whatever else that we, that we get into. And that's a good way to spend this time as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I believe everybody, but especially creatives need time to be alone, but they also desperately don't need to stay there. (laughs) They need 
others to serve, to listen, uh, and to be accountable to. Do you see that? And how do you balance that? Yeah, well, you know, I think it definitely depends whether you identify as being an introvert or an extrovert. You might need more or less alone time, but I am mostly identified as an extrovert, but I have to say I am really enjoying not having to go out and do a lot of things and whatnot, um, but also staying in communication with those who matter to me and the, the community while we are inside. So I definitely think that in general, no matter who you are, giving yourself some time alone to really connect back to your true self and ask yourself, how am I feeling right now? What do I need right now? What can I do for myself right now is so important. And then you can ask, what can I do for others? What can I do um, that's going to help connect me with others and go out or, or those kinds of things? But honestly, the short answer is yes, do it. Make sure it's integrated. It doesn't have to be hours and hours of alone time if that feels uncomfortable to you or super boring. But at the same time, if it is uncomfortable, how can you kind of honor that uncomfortability? Yeah, maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe mm -hmm. you need to kind of spend some time with your bad self. <laughs> 100%, yeah, exactly. So um, ask yourself, why am I feeling uncomfortable? And maybe just take five more minutes every day to sit alone and see how, how far you can stretch it, how much you can push yourself and do things that feel good to you and, and honor yourself. Where can we find you, Katie, and your services? And do you have anything specific coming up or that we didn't mention yet? Yeah, so I am mostly hanging out on Instagram at Katie Zaccardi. So that's where I'm posting a lot of free content um, and free resources, IGTVs, things like that as well as on the Out To Be podcast, which is a podcast focused all on mindset, mental health, and wellness in the music industry. You could just search the Out To Be podcast with Katie Zaccardi wherever you listen to podcasts and it should come up. And then you can head to my website, katiezaccardi.com for more information on my music, on, my, on the podcast, as well as on the coaching services. I have a few different programs that people can work with me. Uh, we were actually talking about money a little bit. I do have a musician's make more money budget tracker and planner, which is a really great low cost resource for artists and people in the music industry to get clear mm. and confident with their finances. So if mm -hmm. you're feeling like I, don't, I don't, can't even invest, I'm so stuck, like I can't even invest in myself, that's a great place to start. And then depending on where you're at with your wellness and mindset journey, I do have a couple offerings from a course to my one-on-one -on -one program that you can join. All right, guys, you really should take advantage of that. Katie, you are fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing this stuff with us on All Things Vocal. Thank you so much for having me, Judy. It was a pleasure. And again, I'll put all those links in my podcast notes. This is Judy Rodman. You can find me at judyrodman.com. To leave your review, and I would so appreciate it, go to ratethispodcast.com slash ATV. See you next time on All Things Vocal, the podcast for singers, speakers, vocal coaches, and studio producers.